Um, my name is James Ski. I'm the CEO and founder of Sales Confidence, if you can see that. Um, we have got an incredible lineup of world leading experts this afternoon. And we've even got a speaker, our final speaker of the day, dialing in all the way from California. Uh, this event today is happening in unprecedented times. It's been very difficult for people out there, uh, particularly those of you in leadership that are driving your sales organization and your software company forward. So the theme of this event, and this is the first ever Sales Confidence Leaders event online, the theme is very much focused on leading in a time of crisis. And right now, in economic terms, arguably, we are going through the most difficult time ever. And our vision at Sales Confidence remains to build the world's most valuable B2B sales community. And we can only do that by bringing you curated content from world-leading experts. So we've gone out to our network across the UK, Europe, and the US, and we've reference-checked, and we've had calls, and we've prepared what I feel like is an excellent group of leaders. Now, why did we choose these leaders? We chose these leaders because most of them have been doing business since the 90s. So they saw the dot-com bubble and bust. They saw the damaging impact of September 11th, 2001. They lived throughout the financial crash of 2008, 2009. And also they are leading businesses during this phase of their career. These individuals have IPO'd, they've exited, they've built sales organizations into the hundreds, and many of them have started um, early on in their career. As an organization, Sales Confidence and I, as a CEO, have had to um, overcome some challenging times. But we're here now. This is a new world, and we have to do what we can to move forward together. And we have to be neighborly. And this is why this is a community where you should feel like you belong. The format of this is we will have our five speakers deliver a seven minute talk. At the end of the final seven minute talk, there'll be a Q&A. We're in the chat section, so you should see a chat window. You'll be able to ask questions. We will answer those questions at the end. After the questions have taken place, we will invite you to network. So if you scroll your eyes, I think to the left of your screen or the right, you should see a networking button. Only press this at the end of the session and you will be able to speak to the speakers and other individuals. A couple of shout outs, great to see Alex Brown, our sales director. Adam Weeks, good to see you dialing in from Portsmouth. We've got Alice, we've got Stephen. Great to see you guys coming on board. Keen to see the interactivity in the chat. As a mission, we're here to elevate the sales profession. And we care about people at each stage of their career. So we want the leaders to inspire the next generation. And that's why we've gathered these founders and leaders today. We also are thankful to our sponsors. So our Diamond Global sponsor is Salesloft, the world's number one sales engagement platform. And we've just announced that we are going to be rolling out our relationship globally into other cities. We're also grateful to the likes of Venetrix, London's number one SDR recruitment business, Aircall, a leading telephony system from France, and G2, 
a review site. Now, Aircall are giving all our sign-ups a month's free access to their telephony, and Benetrix have just signed Facebook to deliver SDRs. So if you're looking to hire people, Richard, Andres, or Tom, speak to Benetrix. We're also grateful to Refract Salesworks and our latest gold partner, CD Recruitment. Today, we've got Brad, Managing Director and Equity Partner, who built the software business over 23 years, sharing how to hire and find people during a crisis. So I'm now going to go on to open up and invite the first speaker on board. I might check my phone every so often just so I can get some social media. Gabrielle, Kevin, Ashley, great to have you on board. Ben, could you uh, enter the building, please? And we're going to invite you up onto stage. Hello, Ben. Hi there. Um, ben, I'm really excited because I know this is a really important time in your career right now where you're choosing to give back. Um, ben recently launched the Genie Shares campaign focused on highlighting entrepreneurs who are giving back a percentage of their equity or a percentage of their annual profits to communities and good causes. I know you've already got Salesforce signed up. I'm excited that sales um, confidence are committed and we're excited about um, what you're bringing to the, the local community and encourage philanthropy. Um, ben has actually hosted our sales confidence leadership events in the past. Um, he was running and was the head of Level 39, Europe's leading fintech and cybersecurity cluster based in um, Canary Wharf in London. And uh, he grew the membership by 70% while cutting costs and welcoming over 200 companies from over 50 countries in his tenure. Now, why did we choose Ben? Ben has experience working with the UK government, running UK Trade and Investments Venture Capital Unit, bringing in outside investors into the UK. And we need outside investors into the UK to grow our economy. Most excitingly, I find interesting, he was also an officer um, in the Royal Marine Commandos, been an analyst for JP Morgan, and built and exited his own company in the fintech sector. So Ben, I'm super grateful that you've come on board today. I'm going to let you deliver your seven minutes over to you. James, thanks very much indeed. It's a great pleasure to be here with you all. And also, James, thank you. Uh, as you rightly pointed out, you're one of the very early adopters of the campaign uh, we're calling Genie Shares. I'll come to that in a minute. But first of all, uh, you raise a really key point. These are challenging times, challenging times for all of us, but especially for people running, growing businesses. Uh, and especially if you are running lean, running hot, your capacity to deal with a crisis like the one we're in at the moment sometimes is pretty limited. So uh, to the question, how to lead, how to manage in crisis, I guess the answer is particularly important for many of the people here today. It's particularly important for many of the organizations who I've worked with, uh, certainly over the last four years, while I've been leading an organization called Level 39 with about 200 fintech and cybersecurity, fast growing startup and scale up companies. I thought it might be useful to start off with something which isn't working. So fairly obviously, one thing that isn't working is we're no longer able to spend as much time face to face. We're not able to get together physically as much as we were very recently. And certainly when you run a business which depends upon bringing people into the same place, the iconic One Canada Square in Canary Wharf, where Level 39 is based, that's certainly uh, a very direct impact. Uh, but of course, that's just the, the, the immediately obvious visible effect. I think the real challenge here is that 
communities like level 39 are effective precisely because they enable people to connect together and achieve an important network function. They enable people to refer, to broker and to close relationships, to achieve network closure. What that in fact means is that there's a huge amount of collaborative effort and even organizations that are strictly competing with each other still help each other to shorten sales cycles, reduce the cost of customer acquisition, and actually also help with engagement with investors and recruiting and retaining top people as well. So the benefits of physical clustering are really pretty hard to overstate. And suddenly we've really found ourselves in a position where we've lost all of those. And while technology like this does a fantastic job of imparting information, it's possible to share data like this. I think the bit which is often under noticed because it's not so obvious, but it's at least as vital is that you don't just need to discover a capability. You don't just need to find a person. There's something far more fundamental than discovery, and that is trust. And so at a time like this, when every person and every organization is under stress of one sort or another, the need for trust is even more pronounced than ever. And since it is always a doubt, lack of trust, which holds back the sales process, holds back the process of securing investment, and of course, holds back the process of recruiting somebody, um, I guess that we should all be applying ourselves to the question, how do we build trust in these times? Now, the role of real estate, of course, and physical convening and offices and co-working spaces is now a little challenged, but it's not the only tool in the box. And so my suggestion to you, and really my invitation as well, is to consider this. Spend less time worrying about the processes of discovery, less time making those cold calls, more time seeking to build that collaborative, trust-building environment. And since it's now harder to do that physically in person, it's worth looking for ways of doing it which survive and escape the constraints of geography. Now, of course, when you're dealing with each other online, you don't get those layers of non-verbal communication you get when you're physically present with somebody. Talking uh, recently to someone working in recruitment, he was explaining that building new relationships with the rich insight into the needs of their clients is really hard when you can't visit their office. Uh, another friend who's a VC said, a lot of his decision-making really depends on looking in the fridges of the people he's considering investing with. I don't know quite how literally he meant that, but he certainly can't look in their fridges without an awkward conversation on Zoom now. So finding ways of building trust that get beyond that, I think, is the key challenge. Now, I think there's an answer. And I think that answer is rather than seeking to impart information, rather than focusing always on this, let me tell you more about my product or service approach. There is instead the opportunity to align on the basis of shared values. And this is why I think purpose-led businesses stand to gain most, or you could say suffer least in this crisis, but critically not only do reasonably well now, more importantly even than that, set themselves up to win the future. And what I mean by this is making sure that you use this time now to enlist a set of collaborators, a group of people and organizations who share your values, regardless of what they are seeking to do with their organization. Simply find ways of gathering together people with whom you share values. They will be become your most effective echo chamber. They will be your force multiplier, both in selling and in 
bringing broader connection access. And certainly it's that, for example, which with Genie Shares we've set out to achieve. In other words, a concern I've had for now several years and predating the coronavirus uh, by a long way is that technology businesses, while creating huge value, are losing a lot of the support of the public because that value isn't very well distributed. So for many people, the values and benefits of technology businesses haven't really trickled down and out. But actually that's short selling the value of these businesses. These are businesses which do a great deal for our communities. They just haven't got very good at expressing that. So I've been looking for a way to help people express the social purpose of what they do, regardless of what technology they use and what market they serve. Genie Shares is, is one way to do that. And in the case of Genie Shares, informed by the principles of lottery design, we're enabling entrepreneurs like James to give slivers of equity in their business away, but to do so in ways which connect much more directly, much more viscerally, much more on the basis of values with the general public. So to make sure that awesome, dynamic, fast-growing businesses like Sales Confidence, while they serve their clients and their shareholders and their employees, are also totally plugged into and aligned with the community. And that community, of course, right now, very focused on the needs of people who don't typically have the kind of jobs in the companies many of us are working for, people working on the front line of healthcare, caring and volunteering. So I would suggest that while Genie Shares is one way, there are many others. The essential point is this, for successful leadership in crisis, focus less on discovery, focus much more on developing and cultivating trust on the basis of shared values. Ben, thank you. Thank you for um, starting this event with such a cool, clear head. I think it's that um, that kind of steely focus that we all need to hear right now. Um, and that's absolutely something we can gain in terms of thinking about trust. So Ben, um, thank you. And we'll bring you back on near the end for some questions. Great start. Thank you for kicking us off. You know, it's wonderful to have, you know, this is someone that has um, represented Queen and Country um, as an officer in the Royal Marines. So it's a great to have that solid start. I'm really excited about our next speaker. Now, why I'm particularly excited about Brad, um, Brad's got over 23 years experience working with software organizations, the sales organization specifically. So he's done a great job at bringing in leaders, particularly with international and US companies that have been landing in the UK. Hi, James. Oh, Brad, you're there. Hello. Welcome. I'm going to continue with the bio. Thanks. Brad, as I mentioned, established the first sales software recruitment team at CD over 23 years ago. I could not think of a better individual that can guide leadership in their hiring, firing, furlough decisions right now. Um, and he's going to talk more broadly in terms of how you can think about the sales organization, your company's growth. Throughout today, we're talking a lot about this new world. And what I love about Brad is he's got the ear of sales leaders, not just in this country, but around the world. Um, so I think I, I feel really grateful um, for him speaking. Not only that, um, CD has also become a gold partner of sales confidence. Um, we would not be developing and growing at the pace that we are, even during this crisis, without the support and goodwill from people like um, Brad. So I'd like to say thank you for that, Brad. Um, so in over 23 years, this stat's staggering. Um, CD have placed over 16,000 people into software companies. 
across 27 countries and six continents. And with a national team operating out of New York City, Surrey and Manchester, um, they've become the go-to recruitment business for fast-growth SaaS companies. And that's what this network is about. That's what Richard, Andreas, Charles, Lewis, that's what you're all part of. Now, in the last three years, his leadership has taken responsibility for supporting companies like White Hat, Snowflake, MongoDB, Unravel, um, and Vera. So he knows what he's doing. And uh, Brad, I'm excited for you to take on your seven minutes. Um, good luck. Thanks for the, uh, the kind intro, James. Um, good afternoon, everyone. Um, I've got seven minutes. I'm going to try and pack as much into it as possible. Three insights for you. Uh, and hopefully some takeaways uh, for sales leaders on the call. So first off, we've, we've, we all know the unprecedented times that we're, we're living through right now, but I'd actually like to build the case for some optimism. That's right, optimism and confidence in the market. Um, it is out there. So with the focus, um, uh, the shift towards easing the lockdown in the next few weeks and coming months, um, I want to give you five reasons that why I feel there should be some confidence right now uh, and what's happening, um, certainly what the feedback we're getting as a company as well. So first off, um, I don't think this will be a recession in the traditional form, the traditional sense that so many people on this call have, have worked through. Um, let's face it, we're, we're, we're working um, and we're living through um, a non-conventional recession right now. It's, it's a shutdown, not a recession as such. So there will be potholes along the way, but assuming we can we can avoid some of those nasty things, um, I'm hopeful that economic growth will be deferred and not lost completely. Point two, banks. Um, unlike the Great Recession of um, 2008-2009, um, the banks are pretty healthy right now. Lots of capital, um, they're liquid, and if there's no banking crisis, then, then money should continue to flow into the economy. Three, um, stock markets. A lot of our clients are, are listed on NASDAQ um, or will be listed on NASDAQ in the future. And um, I mean, who would have thought six weeks ago with the greatest, I think the greatest fall ever in the, in the stock markets, that so many shares in the stock market would have bounced back um, uh, so greatly. So um, point four is the remote selling and uh, remote hiring that's been mentioned. It's working and companies are, are hiring. Uh, McKinsey have come out with a quote, um, almost 90% of uh, sales have moved to a VC phone or web-based sales model since uh, about six weeks ago. And um, over half of companies believe this is equally as effective, if not more effective, uh, in terms of a sales model than before COVID. And the final point I sort of raised for confidence is the returning market confidence. Um, we, um, we as a business, and, and I myself get a lot of feedback from the market, of course, there's been an adjustment period and there's going to be continued adjustment period, but more and more companies are coming back into the market and hiring. Um, my point is this, we all know the bad news, we all know exactly what's caused it, and this dreadful virus is going to be with us for some time, but we're pretty good at adapting, good businesses adapt and we're going to continue to adapt and get through this. That's insight one. Insight two is, is, is quite simple. In tough times, certainly looking back at the last recession, smart sales leaders recognize the huge hiring opportunity that exists right now. 
following the, the, the 0809 recession, I remember talking to lots of sales leaders who said one thing I did very well, albeit cautiously, was hire. It's hiring these rock stars through um, through the, the last recession. And the same thing's happening now. History is repeating itself. Um, some great sales leaders out there recognize the talent that's in the market. They kind of, I guess, um, take on a bit of Warren Buffett's mantra of, you know, um, buy when there's blood in the streets. And it served him pretty well. And, um, uh, you know, they are they are picking up. They are recognizing that it's a golden time to attract A players. I think, you know, there are three buckets right now. There, there's companies that are hiring. There's companies that are hurting. And I get that and can't hire. Uh, but most companies are on hold. They're in a holding pattern. So the question to you guys as sales leaders is, should you be taking advantage of the market right now where there's less competition to pick up these A players that you need to grow your business and hit your goals? The third insight um, is, let's assume you're hiring or you will be hiring soon. Is your hiring criteria right? Is it correct? I've been very fortunate, James mentioned at the start, um, in, in, in the intro, very fortunate to work with some amazing, some of the most prolific, inspirational, highly successful software sales leaders over the last 20, 20 odd years. And guess what? They all have the same playbook and they all have the same hiring criteria. There's four very simple hiring criteria that they're addicted to. Number one is intelligence. They focus on intelligence ahead of anything. And there's three buckets of intelligence, broadly speaking, IQ, EQ and street smarts. I don't have time to go into any more on that, but they're the three things that you need to look for and you need to be convinced on all three. The second um, and, and equally important is character. Um, now more than ever, you need to have lions in your team. You need, you need to have great salespeople. So we all know that hiring resilient people is as obvious, but look for growth mindsets. You want people who say, whatever I put my mind to, I will achieve, not people with fixed mindsets. Um, look for people that maybe have gone through some adversity or some harsh times in their life, because guess what? They're going to handle rejection better. Um, and we get rejected every day as sales leaders, salespeople. Look for highly competitive people and look for people that maybe have done something just a little bit special in their, in their life today as well. By special, I mean things that most people um, out there don't do. So intelligence and character are always the top two because you can't teach those two things. Very important. The third thing is coachability. Um, do people have a thirst uh, for learning new skills? Have they proved that in their life to date? Look, if people are coachable, smart, and tough, you as a strong, experienced sales leader can teach them the rest. That's my view, and that's the view of um, so many successful leaders out there. Give them those things, and I promise you they flourish. So the fourth criteria is experience, and it's fourth for a reason. And this is where I think some companies go wrong, and I'd ask you to question, are you putting too much emphasis on experience because it can set you up for huge disappointment? Um, I think I'm running out of time, James, so um, I'm going to stop there. Brad, um, that was super um, valuable. Thank you. And I think it's great to hear some optimism. At the end of the day, what's happening around us in the world is happening. Um, and those of us responsible for businesses and sales organizations need to focus on the controllables. And you provided an excellent framework. Um, and I think we we get the team to write that up in detail. So thank you, Brad. We'll have you back 
um, near the end for questions. Thanks. So our next um, speaker, um, we've got um, Daniela Strang. So Daniela is the VP and GM of Amir at Logic uh, Login Monitor. And in terms of what I've learned, the cool thing about her is um, she's been very effective at building high-performance sales teams from an outbound sales perspective and also um, a, a kind of an AE scaling team perspective. Now, what I found really particularly interesting when we spoke was the fact that she's accepting that we're already in a new world and that new world is now. So how can we think about delivering during this new world? So Daniela, seven minutes is all yours. Thank you, James. Um, I act like I would echo everything that Brad uh, has just said. Um, that is exactly, you know, what many sales leaders um, are looking for, um, as well as obviously for other departments. Um, a lot of a lot of things have changed for us um, in the last couple of weeks. Um, not just for us as a, as a software company, um, but obviously everywhere in the world. Um, I am part of a U.S. company, so we saw um, counties like California go into lockdown earlier on uh, than we did, Singapore. Um, and then we had obviously a Sweden office, which was completely different. And, you know, social distancing was based on what they, uh, what they made of it instead of being enforced. For us, what was the main important thing was, you know, is everyone okay? And how is everyone adjusting to what the new situation was? So we have obviously people with children that have to take care of their children that have, are staying at home as well as um, making sure that they're like able to do their day-to-day -day job. Um, we do a lot of team uh, activities, um, but the crucial thing for us is something like is, is all running in the same direction and being that you know a plus player um, that is doing everything to help out our customers um, each other um, and you know to be part of a team so um, there are three three things um, in my mantra that i always go by um, one is uh, retention one is revenue um, and what this, uh, third one is recruitment um, and i just wanted to focus on those three today um, because normally in my normal day-to-day um, I would say, you know, revenue and focusing on the number is the absolute most important thing. Um, I think in today's world, what has changed a little bit, um, or what I would say is becoming uh, even more important and vital is actually retention. Um, retention is important for a couple of reasons for us. First of all, retaining your customers. Um, onboarding or gaining a new customer can be anywhere from five times to 25 times more expensive than keeping the customer you currently have. Customers and the relationships that you have are so important because right now the selling has changed. So it's, it's more soft selling. It's not being able to get face to face with everyone and being able to you know, meet people and build those like relationships, taking at someone for dinner or going for drinks. Um, that that is necessary that has changed to Zoom meetings, which is not quite the same, let's face it. We learn from our customers. So I focus on, you know, finding out how are, how are my customers affected? Um, what has changed in that particular industry? Can we form a pattern? Can we create a case study to help other companies in that industry um, to learn from each other? Um, how can we provide valuable insights to our customers? So are there particular dashboards that we can help uh, create for them to be able to monitor 
um, to monitor our customers at home, um, sorry, their workforce at home. Um, those are things that like we are able to do, um, but it also, it creates that relation, it reinforces that relationship, which allows us um, to be able to make sure that we are retaining our customers and helping them through these difficult times for them as well. The other thing that we are able to get from those are referrals. Customers who are happy and you know who um, who see how our products could be helping them are able to give referrals of which the sales team is going to benefit. The um, the second thing that I want to focus on is revenue. So the way people are selling has changed. Um, our BDRs, for example, are now sending voice notes, um, something that they were kind of doing before, but now they've noticed that that's actually working a lot better um, than simply calling. They were calling from what our, like, you know, obviously our internal system is, they were calling switchboards. Um, we use something called Lusha. Um, there are many other like solutions out there that are similar, um, but you know, that allows us to be calling direct dials or mobile phones. Um, and we're trying to get those meetings in. The meetings have, um, they've come down in the first two weeks of April, just to shoot right back up the second weeks of uh, second um, the second two weeks of April, which tells me that you know people are getting used to the new normal, um, which the new normal is going to be another new normal in two weeks time when lockdowns are getting released and there are different rules in different countries, um, but also the comfort levels of people um, will change. Account executives, um, for me, the most important thing is continue to build your pipeline. Um, building pipeline. Um, Normally, maybe what could be standard in any of the companies that you work for is maybe two and a half or three times pipeline in order to hit your number. Um, that could change. For some companies, maybe now they need to have five times pipeline in order to still comfortably get to the number, which means there's a lot more PGing that needs to happen. It's something that um, you know I know for most companies, being part of a Vista portfolio um, company, we get a lot of insights. I know a lot of, you know, that's the one thing that we all are focusing on um, and that I would hope all salespeople are recognizing. Tracking their metrics and making fact-based decisions. So knowing which companies to focus on right now or, or that are least impacted um, and companies, um, you know, that are highly impacted right now, like you just, that you wouldn't want to go after because you just know at some point you're going to get um, to the point where they're in a position not to make a decision. Um, so you're better off targeting them at a later stage, potentially. Asking tougher questions. So being direct, um, it's it's something for me that I, you know, I, I always hammer on, um, but more so than ever. Um, getting executives involved in deals, um, as well as, you know, getting higher up in deals faster. So encouraging that executive sponsorship um, for me is an absolute must right now. Because if that is not happening, you just do not know where that deal is going to end up. And you could be totally like, you know, wasting your time or at least your reps are. Um, research and mapping is another thing that we found to be extremely useful. Um, and it's something that, you know, um, I think allows us to get to our um, sales cycles and speed up our sales cycles faster. Um, we have a very strict process in the company and it's working very, very well for us. More so than ever, do we need people to stick to the process? Um, we need to adapt the process maybe here or there slightly. Um, however, like sticking to that process allows us to get that rigor and cadence in place 
and to know that you know where we need to help anyone that could potentially be needing it. The third one is recruitment. Um, a lot of companies, as Brad was saying, they haven't. They've maybe stopped recruiting because they're on hold. Um, they might be changing what is their headcount plan for the year. However, right now, I think top talent could be found, and we should all be pipelining for that. Um, not to create competition for myself, of course. Um, however, um, it is a good time to find that talent. Um, and the, the second you get the go-ahead to hire, you've already got everything lined up to push that button. Um, I do think I need to be wrapping up, as James gave me seven minutes. So uh, for me, three things to focus on always are revenue, um, retention, and recruitment. Um, definitely um, focus on the retention uh, first at the moment. Um, the revenue is a like pretty much an even second. Um, and then the recruitment is pipeline that for the second you get the go ahead. This could like, you know, I we, for example, could get a go ahead in the next week. Um, so we're ready to go. Daniela, thank you very much for your Thanks. insights. And we will bring you back on for the Q&A. Um, so I like that from Michael. He's super keen, um, straight in. Um, Michael, I'm just going to give a, an introduction. So so some of you are aware, um, right now, Sales Confidence has moved into an online membership subscription model. So we have a membership to learning and development, access to mentors and coaches. Now, I've been very lucky that Michael has um, given me access to his time over the last few years particularly when I've um, really been in my own personal crises. So I just want to say a personal thanks to Michael. And we've waited a long time to get you on board. So this is super exciting. Um, so look, Michael, um, Michael Anderson is a serial entrepreneur. He's had three exits um, with three different software companies that he founded and scaled himself. Um, he's also almost lost any everything during that journey due to a lawsuit. Um, and he spent many, many years during turbulent times. He was building companies during 9-11. He was building companies through the financial crisis. And yet he still was able to champion his business, double revenue and profit during those periods. So it's that type of resiliency and that type of leader we want to unlock in ourselves. Um, right now, he is now a best-selling author, um, having his works published on Entrepreneur um, magazine.com and he's been using his time to teach and coach executives for scale-ups like sales confidence but also microsoft salesforce and pwc michael you've got seven minutes um to impart some knowledge thank you well thanks for having me james and it, you know it is a really important time for leaders out here because we're really being called on in, in a very difficult time and there's a lot of people that, that really rely on us. There is our team, there's our organization, there's our peers, and there's our family. You know, it's really time. We are role models out there. And so it's really time for us to bring our best because in times of crises, this is when your reputation is going to be made. Everybody is watching you and evaluating whether you realize it or not and whether you want it or not to see how you're going to react and respond. Because I'll tell you what, your reputation could very well be made in these next couple weeks and couple months here. And so what I want to do is I'm going to give you a little bit from experience. I've had a lot of ups and a lot of downs, uh, but also I, I've talked to pro, I've talked to 30 plus business owners over the last couple of weeks and, uh, and a bunch of employees. I've talked to middle managers and executives. And what I help, what I help, I, I either work with a business owner to scale their business 
and I work with, uh, with, with senior executives to have them really perform at a board level and I help people get to that board level. And so I've talked to all these different people and I, I, I think it's really important for the leaders out there who lead teams to understand what's going on in their team because this is uncharted territory. So unless you've been a, a, a people manager for 10, 15, 20 years, I think it's really difficult because there's a lot of things that's happening under the, uh, under the surface that I wanna really bring up to you. So based on my calls and what I did is I, I had all these calls with, with, with the leaders, I'm summarizing what I got out of that. And the biggest thing that, that uh, is, is coming out of that is leaders know that there's problems in their teams, but they don't necessarily know what it is because you don't have that face-to-face that -face interaction. And so what the leaders have been saying is that, you know, they catch up with their teammates and they're like, hey, how's everything going? And the response that they get is, yeah, everything's fine. It's okay, we're, we're surviving. And then all of a sudden they get all these personal bombshells dropped on them. Hey, you know, I, I didn't want to tell you, but you know, I, I've had a really hard last week or somebody doesn't show up to meetings or somebody all, all of a sudden has to take these absences. So these leaders know that there are problems in their team. They just don't know what the problems are because they don't know how to get them, that, that out in the proper manner so that they can address it. Even though they're, they're opening it up, they're telling people to come to them, it's not enough. And again, the leaders are putting in some of these measures. You know, They're doing some, some more personal calls, they're doing one-on-one -on -one calls, they're putting in some humor, some levity, uh, but it's not nearly enough. And they see their team is working a lot, people are working a lot, but they're not as productive, even though they're putting in a ton of hours and people are answering emails at all these different hours and time, they're not, they're not having the production out of the team that they, you would expect for, for people working that much. Because a lot of people working from fear because of guilt and because, because they're working and maybe some other people got furloughed or some other people aren't, and they want to keep their job. So there's a lot of fear and a lot of guilt out there both on the employee level as well as on the leaders level. The, 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 there's a lot of guilt that leaders are feeling because I have a master's in psychology, so I, I work a lot on the psychological uh, and, and neurological levels. A lot of leaders are feeling guilt because maybe they haven't been through this. They don't know if they're handling their team in the right way. They don't know if they're pulling the right levels, levers and, and interacting with the team in a way that's really that, that's serving their team. And they feel like they're maybe letting their team, they're letting their organization down, especially because you're in such this unknown um, with, you know, maybe, you know, some industries are, are just on hold. Some industries, they don't even know if they're going to make it out of that. So um, there's just all this uncertainty. And a lot of leaders, especially in sales, are used to making their worth, are used to getting that ego boost because they're hitting these numbers. And some numbers have went away. They've got reforecasted. So people are really having issues finding their place, especially in the sales area. Um, and employees, every, every their employees are feeling isolated. They're feeling separated. Uh, there's a lot of fear and anxiety. Uh, they're feeling ungrounded. They're not feeling safe. It's really important. And they're again, they're, they're, they're doing this hard work out of a place of fear. And the problem is, whether it's you or your employees coming from a place of fear and uncertainty, you're, you're making poor decisions. So in order to make really, really strong decisions, you have to do that from a rational place, not an, an emotional and not a fear-based place. I want to bring up one um, study, and this study was done by Qualtrics, and they, they studied uh, more than 2,000 2, employees, uh, and this is a month ago, and I don't know about you, but my mental state, my family's mental state from now, from, from a month ago till now is, is a lot more difficult. I mean, me and my family and, and the people that I've been working with have shown more signs of strain. 
But even a month ago, 45% say that their mental health has declined. 67% report higher levels of stress. And what's really important about this is 56% do not feel comfortable bringing it up to their managers. And 60% do not feel supported by their manager. And so what that means, and, and again, this is a month ago. So if you have an inkling, you know, you know, salespeople often have good intuition. If your intuition tells you that there are cracks in your team, there almost undoubtedly are, and the cracks are almost, almost always deeper than you think they are, because by the time they surface, it's too late. And so now is really the time for you to be authentic and vulnerable and strong, because that's what the, the, the leaders, that's what your employees are looking for. And that really means slowing down. That really means listening to your intuition. That really means you spending a lot of time with them. Because, you know, if they're having an issue, it's not going to come out. And, you know, you're not going to pick up the call like, hey, Bob, how's it going? You all right? You sure you're all right? Of course, they're going to say, hey, you know, things are okay. It's going to spend, uh, be spent by, by spending real time with them. In addition, if you want more stuff on this, there's only so much I can give you on, on seven minutes, but I have a whole bunch. I'll put my email in there in, in the chat. You can send me an email. I'm on LinkedIn as well. Uh, there are anonymous surveys you can send out to get a true temperature check from your team. There's a lot of different things you can do to really do that. And again, it's so important that you're proactive on this because if you wait until the dragon rears its head, it's, it's really, really too late. And again, your people believe in you. You are a role model. So this is really the time for leaders to, to really do everything that they need to do. And I'll tell you what, you may learn more in these next couple months, in these last couple months, than you will in, in, in the rest of your entire leadership career. You're going to learn about yourself. You're going to learn about how to motivate and keep a team together. And you're going to learn about what your true character is. And we need you to bring your best. And so does all your people. And so this is really a rallying call. So that's, um, that's my challenge out there to everybody is do everything that they can to really be the leader that your team needs. Michael, um, that's incredibly powerful. Thank you for sharing. Um, just to let everybody know, we're coming up to our final speaker. We will summarize all of this in both articles and send out the recording, Michael, so everybody will get access to your information. So, Michael, we'll bring you back shortly. Lars, this is James! Come on! What time is it over there, Lars? What time is it? It's hammer time. <laughs> it's early doors. So where are you? Let, let the audience know. You're live. Uh, I am coming in hot from Alameda, California, which is a, an island in the San Francisco Bay. Amazing. Well, I can speak from experience that it's a fantastic spot. Um, I've had the good fortune to be fed and watered by Lars and, uh, and, and actually enjoyed his commute which is somewhat different from the London Underground. So um, great to have you on board, Lars. Look, I, this has been, we've had a lot of sign-ups because of you um, dialing in. So super excited to share who you are. Um, you know, Lars has been building outbound sales development, business development, sales organization since the 90. Um, he's, a, he's a godfather of many of the frameworks that actually in the UK, most of you use. Um, he's got over 25 years experience in sales and sales operations. He's a veteran. Um, he's CEO of Salesforce and he's taken four B2B technology companies to IPO. That includes Cloudera, ArcSight, Portal Software and Riverbed Technology. This is a genuine wizard and he's going to share some of our magic. Um, 
he and his team have got frameworks and have developed the framework for account-based sales development. So that's ABSD, and you can search that on Google. Um, and he saw, served as a revenue advisor um, for seed, seed stage uh, venture capital firm, uh, True Ventures. Um, what I think is great about Lars is he deeply understands the relationship and emotional needs of the sales organization as well as providing that inspiration. And it's great to have um, some of that Californian energy coming across the uh, sound wave. So Lars, I'll give you your seven minutes, over to you. Right on, James. Well, first of all, I'm not the CEO of Salesforce, but a small uh, revenue advisory firm called Sales Source uh, here in Northern California. And first of all, James, thank you for having me on. Uh, just uh, right, we've spent a lot of time, you and I walking the halls of Saster and Dreamforce, and uh, we've uh, tipped a few back uh, at the battery um, here in San Francisco. And just to watch you uh, in your craft for me uh, today has been great. So congratulations to you, your staff, uh, and what you're building at Sales Confidence. Um, uh, it's important for all of us. Um, so I've been selling for 34 years, uh, 10 years as a quota carrying sales rep, uh, 10 years as a frontline sales manager, and the last 10 to 15 years as a uh, sales leader. And uh, interestingly, I think Q1 of calendar year 2020 will be remembered as uh, the year the entire world, every single sales rep on the planet became an inside sales rep. Um, and I grew up uh, not in the 90s selling, but actually in the 80s. And everything was belly to belly, very relationship oriented. Um, when salesforce.com came on the scene in 1999, things began to shift. Um, more uh, companies were bringing ISRs online. And then of course, in the last 10 to 15 to 20 years, we've had the entire revolution behind sales development. And that's an incredibly important shift, in my opinion, uh, based on where we are today. Uh, extra uh, extracting prospecting uh, from selling, because they're two very different motions. Um, when you're a sales rep, all you want, and you carry a quota, all you want to do is you want to uh, sell, you want to negotiate, and you want to close. And prospecting does become a necessary, uh, probably one of the biggest parts, but it's also time consuming. Uh, it's not that fun. Um, but if you consider that the hardest part of closing any deal is finding it, uh, it turns out that prospecting is the most important part of any sales campaign. And so I think what's happened in the last 10 to 20 years for those companies that woke up to and found the power of the SDR model. In other words, take prospecting and give it to uh, a different, a completely different group and have them target companies, have them target personas and come up with that first meeting for a quota carrying sales rep. That's the model we've been in for the last 20 years. Um, and again, two months ago, everything changed. Uh, quota carrying sales reps that carried a bag and had relationships and were able to get on planes and trains and automobiles and go see their prospects and clients, um, that's not going to happen for a while. 
And I think the world is waking up to uh, a place where people are very comfortable talking about their needs, talking about their pains uh, in a format like this. And so if I'm a quarter caring sales rep today, I think there's an unbelievable opportunity to learn about what those sales development reps have been doing. And what they've been doing is they've been learning uh, the art uh, and science of sales and marketing through a series of tools and technologies and services that have allowed them to find the right person um, at a target company um, at even the right time uh, based on signals and intent data that can be found out there. So if I'm a quarter caring sales rep today um, and I cannot go and visit my customers, um, I'm going to do everything I can to learn uh, what the tools and technologies are out there. Um, and there's many of them that are, in fact, uh, sponsoring this, uh, this session. Um, but what I've spent most of my career doing is selecting technology, uh, implementing it, uh, customizing it, and orchestrating it so that the rhythms and motions of prospecting um, can be done intelligently um, and can be done in an orchestrated fashion to get the right message with the right context and some amount of personalization so that when the recipient receives it, uh, they get inspired and they learn something new and they raise their hand um, in hopes of, uh, you know, generating a demo um, or that first conversation. Um, and if I'm an SDR, uh, you know, the world has now rotated towards you. Um, if you have become great at your craft in qualifying, uh, the opportunity for you to ascend into a quota carrying role um, has just gotten a lot better for you, in my opinion. And so I do believe that the science of sales and marketing, these tools and technologies and services that uh, have made our jobs a lot easier um, are something that um, you need to learn. Um, I think it was Brad that talked about um, IQ and EQ and having street smarts. I think the modern sellers today, I think there's another term being talked about uh, right now, and it's called TQ, technology quotient. And so uh, please, uh, any sales rep that is on or listens to this uh, webinar, go and learn uh, the technologies that are out there that can help you do your job better. The other thing that uh, I think we're all right, uh, everyone today is looking at their purchases uh, uh, keenly and money is not flowing uh, to everyone and CFOs are watching every dime. And I think as a sales rep today, um, you have to have a return on investment story. Um, and if I'm a sales rep today, um, I am trying to build an ROI story that can prove at least a 10x uh, rate of return for the target uh, prospect. Um, and even go to 20 uh, percent rate of uh, uh, return on investment. Um, procurement cycles and uh, buying cycles uh, are not moving forward unless you can prove that kind of return. Um, and so what if I'm in sales operations or revenue operations, uh, what I'm doing is trying to figure out how to come up with a, um, a, a ROI calculator. Um, because again, um, if you are not uh, setting yourself apart and proving that your solution, your technology, your product can deliver extreme value, 
to the tune of 10x, 20x, um, they are not going to look at you today. Um, my timer just went off. Um, man, that seven minutes goes fast. So um, I'm going to uh, turn it over uh, back to you. Feel free to summarize. I know it, the seven minutes is an intense format. Um, <laughs> is there any parting thought or just anything you would like to part in summary? Or are you wrapped up there? Yeah, I mean, I just, I mean, for everyone out there, uh, and I, you know, uh, I call it, uh, you know, the one thing that I've never been able to teach a, a seller, and again, you can be taught how to handle objections, how to qualify, how to close, how to negotiate, how to present. But what I've never been able to teach is how to get out of bed in the morning and get after it, get after it every day, every week, every month, because it is all about activities. And again, there is a lot that we are thinking about. There's a lot of anxieties. There's a lot of things that are knocking us down. But if you have that fire in the belly and you can get yourself out of bed every day and get to your desk and begin sending those messages and returning those emails and thinking of new ways to get in front of uh, potential prospects and deliver your uh, value proposition, um, it, it never stops. Uh, and you have to have that level of intensity uh, and you have to bring it every day. And if you have that, I think you're going to be just fine. Thank you, Lars. While we're getting adjusted, good to have you back. Uh, I'm going to start with a question, then we're going to ask for questions uh, from the forum. Um, just one specific question. Is there one particular thing that you're, that's given you confidence? Like what, what have you found that has given you confidence right now is the first question. The team. Okay. So your is that your team of peers in your company um, or external mentors? It's, or? it's a team of peers. It's also like, you know, the team that we have, like, so I, I take care of every department. So I take care of everything from, you know, HR, customer success, tech support, sales, um, BDRs, um, sales engineers, you name it. Like every single team has rallied around what's going on right now um, and adapted where they had to adapt. Um, and, you know, it's very nice, you know, it's nice to see that that's functioning as well as, you know, them feeling part of a team. Um, and then my team in particular um, has done a really good job at executing, um, you know, everything that we needed to execute and in order to adapt slightly where, like, where needed. Excellent. I just want to do a couple of shout outs. We've got Lewis Unsworth and Steve Pickett coming in with questions and um, a, a major celebrity, the CMO of Sales Loft who's our diamond sponsor. Thank you again for, for going global as uh, Sydney Sloan. She says, stay hungry and stay active. Thank you, Sydney. Um, who's going to, who's going to answer that next question about, um, you know, what, what, how are you staying confident? Is there someone else? Got James, Brad? I'll say a few things. I mean, there's, there's two sides to it for me. Um, the, the internal team, you know, my, my team, very, very proud of the, the efforts that I've seen from everyone. Um, and the resilience in the team across the New York office, the Manchester office, and, and the Surrey office has been incredible. And, and there are lots of companies still hiring, and we're filling roles. Um, so that obviously breeds a lot of confidence internally. Um, and obviously externally in the market, of course, um, there are some companies that are really hurting right now. But there are some uh, lots of green shoots as well. And there are pockets of technologies in particular who... Um, there's, there's been really little change from the feedback we're getting and the headcount, if anything, has increased 
Um, so, you know, that, that obviously we, we have a lot of clients um, in a lot of different technologies, technology sectors and some are doing better than others. Uh, but in general, it's, 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 it's okay. Fantastic. Anything to add, Ben or Michael, before we move on to the next question? Well, yeah, real quick. Um, you know, two things to give that, that really been helping with my confidence is, you know, support network. Like, you know, for example, the, the last day, my wife and I, we, we've been getting into a bit of a uh, cabin fever. And so we had a little bit of a, a rough day yesterday, relationship wise. So I called one of my, my friends and she really talked me through it. And, you know, I think it's really important to reach out to our network. Um, and also, to really remember who we're doing this for. So, you know, I've probably helped about 20 companies go through, for example, layoffs or furloughs or, or how to survive this. And um, it's really, really important for people to get support. And I'm really proud that I do that. And, and if you're out there and you really care about your mission, you know, I think Ben, you, you know, that, that really came through when you talked, for example, um, and a lot of the people here uh, that, you know, your mission, if you really, the, the best salesperson people really believe in, that their product or service is the best thing out there. And um, to really ride on that, that positive energy to me is a great sense of confidence. Fantastic. Um, okay. So I've got some, a question that's come from um, uh, some of our attendees about, okay. The obvious elephant is, is COVID, but outside of COVID, what should people be wary that's happening in the market right now that might be a concern or risk? So out, outside of what's the core issue right now, are there other market forces that you're seeing that are creating either anxiety or risk? Well, I don't, I don't, uh, to me, there, there, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on right now. I mean, you know, there's issues with oil, uh, I think with, with Russia and, and some of the OPEC uh, uh, things, there, there's potentially a big, going to be a political trade war with China. I mean, there's a lot of, um, because of, of where this came from and some political forces, uh, I think that there is, um, I think business travel could shut down for the next year. Um, I think that, and what we don't know, but, you know, just always keep in mind that there's so many opportunities out there. If you're going to acquire a company, this is, this is a great time to acquire a company. This is a time to do a roll up. This is a time to get talent. This is the time, you know, it's important to be strategy focused and opportunity focused because really this is where careers are made. And, um, you know, there is going to be an upturn. And when you're strong at the end of a recession or a crisis, you'll be, you'll be able to, to go high up when the curve starts again. Thank you for sharing, Michael. Um, so I wanted to pick up, uh, and almost all of us have talked about recruitment and hiring. And I think, you know, if we read the, the mass media, particularly in the UK, um, there's been tremendous about, sort of impact on the day-to-day -day, um, worker from, you know, redundancy to furloughing. Um, just from a hiring perspective, this is for maybe the earlier stage SaaS companies that don't have the strong brands. What are some of the things they can do to differentiate themselves and I guess take advantage of these times to identify top talent? Um Brad? Can you, yeah, can you just, sorry, give me some more context on the exact question? Yeah, so this is a company that's Series A. Yeah. So they're an early stage SaaS company and they want to make themselves attractive to hiring top sales talent. What should they do? Well, I, I mean, from a from a, a, a candidate perspective, if you're looking at what they're looking at, is that what we're saying here? Yeah, or from that, a, that helps both sides. I mean, it, it's kind of the same thing for me. Um, and it comes back to, again, what, what I've, heard and recruited for over the years there, there are three things that you need to look at um, people product 
and market opportunity. Um, and they're the three, the three key things. And I, I think um, from a candidate perspective, um, you know, I mean, I just heard Lars, I don't know Lars, but I, I was sold after about five seconds, right? On his track record and his energy, um, you know, he's been there, he's done it multiple times. That's the sort of person that you can learn from. Um, so I think it's fine if you're, if you're a Series A company, but who are the people in that organization? Who's the CEO? Who's the CRO? Who's the CMO, et cetera? Um, and, and are they inspirational people? So I, I think that's above anything else. I mean, if you look at um, product, you don't need the best product to have a massive exit. I know lots of companies that would admit they didn't have the best product, but they have the best sales execution. And again, that comes down to whether it be a medic a qualification playbook um, or you know whatever sales methodology methodologies you're using. It comes down to the, the leaders again. So people is very important and, and market uh, product is, uh, sorry, people is the most important, product is important and the, the total addressable market opportunity is important. Cool, thank you for sharing. Um, so a question from Akal Pish. Um, everybody's mentioned the emotional impact of this crisis. Is there any books that you could recommend um, related to managing and leading via, uh, through a crisis or just a book that you would particularly recommend around emotional intelligence? Um, you look like you've got one, Brad. Well, I mean, in terms of refining your sales skills, you know, I think I think The Challenger Sale is a good book. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly to, to identify what kind of salesperson you are. Um, I don't know about the, the emotional side so much. Uh, you know, I, I forget the first part of your question, but certainly in terms of identifying what kind of salesperson am I and then trying to um, map that to the sort of organization you should be joining. Okay. You know, because some organizations are more outwardly aggressive than others. Some have different cultures than others, of course. So that could be useful. Ben, have you got any book recommendations? Well, I, um, I, if I may, I'm going to stretch the definition. So there was a... a project written up by a, um, a military officer in the um, in the early days after the Second World War uh, called Boyd, who um, who described the decision action cycle that people go through. Uh, and for many years, I thought that, uh, that you would always win if you could go through that cycle of deciding and acting faster than anybody else. And, and I was having a conversation with somebody who'd been involved in intelligence analysis in Afghanistan uh, and asking him about his experience going through this cycle. If you can go through the cycle faster than your opponent, you'll always be acting on more relevant information than they are. And um, I said, well, of course, how fast were you able to do this? He said, well, we realized actually we were trying to do the wrong thing. We were going very fast. Our American friends had a six month plan and they just stuck with it. And they saved a lot of energy and most of what they did was spot on. It was certainly good enough. Um, and I think there's a lesson there for all of us. It's not, as I say, I'm afraid it's not in the form of a book, but at a time of great chain and change and churn, there is a lot to be said for taking a longer view. So I'd be reading philosophy now rather than uh, all sorts <laughs> of fast moving action stuff. Take it slow, take a long we like, view. We like that, Ben, thank you for imparting that. So everybody, just to let you know, we're gonna invite Lars back. I know there's more questions coming through. Um, and then there's a networking section. So I think I'm pointing to it, or at least on my screen, there's a networking button. We're gonna wrap up the question Q&A in about two minutes, and then you will be able to ask each other questions 
and you'll rotate on a round robin. So that's the networking technology. Um, so I'm gonna, Ben, if you don't mind, I'm gonna ask Lars to come back. Um, thank you again. Can we just have a round of applause? Just clap each other, because it's a good feeling to clap. Yeah, well done. Okay, Lars, come back in if you like. I'm gonna ask some more questions. Hello, Lars. Hello, James. Hello. <laughs> um, so one of the things is around tools and techniques of prospecting. So there was some uh, uh, um, tools plugged and we're happy to hear others, but is there any any frameworks or something that you've doubled down on or you've seen teams double down on in terms of them being more effective with prospecting? Maybe one for well, Daniela and Lars. Lars? Yeah, I'll just start by saying that sales engagement, um, these tools that allow sales reps to uh, produce one-to-many or one-to-one, -one, uh, you know, outbound sequences and cadences uh, that can drip out emails and voicemails and social touches. And, and now even more people are using direct mail to get the, uh, you know, the, the guaranteed open um, are extremely effective if they are personalized, they have context, and they're going to the person you know, one of the many stakeholders that has the problem that your solution uh, can hopefully solve. Um, and uh, that has become, you have to have it. Uh, you have to have that technology. And once you implement that technology, you also need a data provider, right? Geo, you know, information that allows you to target the uh, addressable market and uh, all the ideal customers out there um, and services that can bring you the titles um, and the personas uh, with their emails and phone numbers. So, um, you know, uh, a sales loft combined with a, a, a LinkedIn sales navigator combined with a zoominfodiscover.org um, and then maybe a, a lean data. Um, if I was starting a company in a demand gen revenue operation, um, I might do that before I even go to CRM because of the importance of generating uh, buzz and getting your content and getting your, uh, uh, your thought leadership out into the world for people to read, listen, uh, trip over. Um, uh, and I think that the, the more the sales operator, the revenue operator uh, that can select the technology and orchestrate it with the different marketing uh, technologies, they're worth their weight in gold. Okay, thank you, Listen, Lars. everyone. Yeah. Da and Daniela? Um, well, I think in terms of, apart from the technology, um, they're just the basics that um, that Lars is mentioning. Um, for me, like the reps that I always see that are performing really well, be it on the BDR side or SDR, um, or on the account executive side, if they've done the research and found what an executive um, priority is, right, something that's being driven from the top, um, that gives you some insight because that will be the line that everyone is trying to follow. Um, the personalized messaging is absolutely key, but there are other things like get creative. Um, so now that you like, you know, the old way of selling essentially, which is now the case, um, not being able to go for lunch or go for a drink with someone, you know, see if marketing can help out. Uh, and marketing is able to support you in, for example, creating a, 
uh, a happy hour or um, creating some other type of form of online event um, that you can then use to be able to socialize or maybe you can use um, things such as personalized gifting or um, you know remote lunches um, to be able to like have a conversation and you know ultimately also buy time right because if you're having a meal with someone you're um, immediately at least having an hour great thank you for sharing guys we're gonna go and wrap this up so what I'd like everybody to do starting with um, Daniela um, is just to, one final imparting thought or um, wrap up that you want to want to share with the world I think the one thing for me um, that's absolutely vital is be that A star player. So, you know, right now it's how do you get the best results and keep hustling and finding that creativity in order to get there and, you know, ask help from others. Great. Thank you. Um, Brad? I think just to uh, say again, you know, right now you need to be playing a 10 more than ever be than before. And it's 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 going to be tough. It's going to you know continue to be tough for the next period of time. But if you're playing it at a ten and and uh, and you want it bad enough, you'll you'll still achieve great results. Excellent, Michael. Yeah, you know there's so many opportunities out there, but they're they're hidden and they don't look like the opportunities used to look like. So the more creative you can be, the more you can differentiate yourself. The you know the there there is great great winners in situations like this so really be creative be risky and a lot of times you can be risky because you, you don't have as much to lose as it is and so really put yourself out there and test new stuff and then you know have fun with it really. thank you laws if you're earlier in your sales career do not be afraid to ask for help ask for mentorship ask for coaching if you're later in your sales career give that away pay it forward give back become a mentor become a coach and then stay focused, stay energized, stay humble. <laughs> You're so it's good. True. <laughs> All right, everybody, um, this has been amazing. Um, I want to thank everybody from behind the scenes. And we had a great rehearsal, and that was so slick, everyone. So thank you to the speakers. Everybody now move to the networking for the next 15 minutes if you choose to. We've still got 70, 80 people to hang out with. Thank you very much, guys. James. Great job. Cheers. Everyone.